Hey everybody, Con Artist here, and uh, I know that this season we haven't been doing our usual bi-weekly podcast updates, but uh, it's been quite the busy season for all of us, so uh, we're taking a little bit of time to do a mid-season recap on the shows that we are watching, and uh, without taking up too much of your time, let's jump right into it. Uh, the first show we're going to talk about is a carryover from last season that Scott Avaya have been following, uh, mm. Shikoku no Altair, or Altair, a... Uh, was it a history of a battles? record of or battles or something? Record yeah. of battles, yeah. Um, and super quick, uh, still all about politics in a like fantasy version of the near Middle East, uh, circa the uh, high Middle Ages, and all about this one Turkish guy running around trying to form an alliance against a uh, expanding empire. And so far, it's actually improved from what i remember in the first season the first season wasn't bad but yeah it had it had a few pacing issues they were you know really they were really desperate it felt in some cases to get to to get a move on with a lot of things and there's still that sense of pace like this show does not slow down for anything i feel like like the pacing is really evened out like it's moving fast don't get me wrong but like it's sort of a consistent kind of fast and i no longer feel quite as disoriented by events now that we have a better understanding of where everyone is in relation to each other and who the players are, I think that definitely helps. So it's a show that's a little rocky to get started in because it throws a lot of terms and a lot of places at you. But once it's there, you know, you've got that grounding and uh, the politicking is quite good. It's interesting because uh, rather than focusing entirely on military force, they're also using a lot of diplomacy, a lot of backroom dealing to try and bring people in on their side while using economics to screw over the enemy. So that's an interesting twist on the whole thing without, you know, losing the whole battle aspect, because there's always this tension that the empire that uh, Turkey is fighting is this, you know, it is a military powerhouse. It's built entirely on expansion. So um, there's always that threat hanging over them. These guys could just decide to, you know, crank up their timetable and march on them. Which is actually kind of what's happening, like, as to where we are now. So we're covering, like, the first six episodes of the second season here. Or second half mm-hmm. of it, I guess. And yeah, like they're the the Empire's like, uh oh, we, we we gotta move, we gotta expand, we gotta get all the food and stuff we're gonna need. And then the other guys, like uh the main character has really stepped up his economic warfare and sort of uh you know, trying to get allies to come to the table. And we've had all these players built up over the course of the show so far, and now you're kind of seeing all the pieces in motion and you kinda of know where they all are and where everyone stands, and it's it's really coming together. It's definitely mm-hmm. also building towards what should be a really interesting ending. Like I'm, I'm pretty excited for what's going to happen. And we we had quite a few complaints in the first half about this Minister Louis guy who's on the side of the sort of the German Empire they're trying to fight. And finally, he's not always getting his way. Like it's it's good to see that people are sort of counteracting him and not just playing into his hands. So mm-hmm. pretty solid. The Empire is getting more desperate. They're starting to like use some more interesting, I'd almost say psychological tactics, basically trying to claim the moral high ground for themselves so that uh, their enemies appear to be the aggressors, even though it's obviously them. So it's definitely interesting. Everyone's, you know, everyone's playing for keeps. There's no one, uh, there's no one who's taking this lazily. Right. So pretty good there. Uh, So this right now pretty much recommended. What do we got next? Mm. Uh, the next one up is one that I believe we're all following, uh, Land of the Lustrous. This kind of crept out of nowhere. <laughs> out of nowhere. <laughs> I mean, we, we looked at the description. It was like, this can go only one of two ways. And so far, it's one of those shows like, 
I'm still not 100% certain if the show is good or if it's just so fascinating that I can't look away. Right, like, what is even going on here is the order of the day, but I'm always interested in the next twist. Uh, short version, we got a land where all humans are gone and most life is retreated into the sea. The only ones who haven't are these 27-some-odd uh, girls, each of whom is some sort of gem. Uh, their power level is their Mo's hardness scale, so as far as arbitrary power levels go, at least that's one I can wrap my head around. Well, it's also modified by their durability. That's true. Is, uh, that, that, that was actually a plot point. Right, like when uh, it was yeah. like, oh yeah, you're really strong, but like, you know, you have, like, your your stone type will cleave under the wrong kind of pressure. Uh, and so, like, you might fall apart if you're hit the wrong way. And it's like, oh, all right, yeah, sure. So they at least did some passing research into uh, all of these different kinds of gems. And also the fact that it gives our characters an excuse to be color-coded, so it's pretty easy to tell them all apart, even if you don't necessarily remember who their what their names are. Yeah, now it's <laughs> 100% like computer graphics, it should be noted. And they're they're decent. They're not great. So this is really a show that's uh, selling itself on, I guess, the story and the characters more than it is on the, the visuals. I mean, I'll be honest, has... I actually... I think it's improved uh, a lot, even since uh, one or two seasons ago. I was going to say, I sure, honestly sure. think that the CGI is pretty darn decent. I mean, I, I agree that, you know, it does feel out of place in certain circumstances, but in terms of fluidity and actually, like, matching with the background, it actually does a good job, I think. It helps but that the a... girls are supposed to be, you know, solid rock. <laughs> right. They even, like, clink as they walk along the floor. It's kind of a neat effect. And, they, yeah, they never let you forget that these are, you know, that these girls are gems. Uh, very short, like, bit uh, bit of the plot in case you haven't already uh, started watching this. These Which is going to be what, be like, almost all of our audience. They're like, what are you even talking about? <laughs> Probably. Uh, the basic premise is that these girls are all here on this one tiny island. They've been around for hundreds, some of them thousands of years. Uh, and they are being hunted by these people from the moon, these Lunarians or whatever they're called, uh, who collect them for jewelry. So, but they can't really die. As far as we can tell, they're immortal. They can even be put back together if they're damaged or destroyed. Which happens a lot. Yeah, which happens an awful lot, especially because our main character is the weakest <laughs> of all of them. Aw, oh, poor Phospholite. Yeah, she pretty much crumbles under a stiff breeze, but uh, recent events have made that a little bit trickier. So uh, it's just... You know, the characters are all outsized. They're mostly all one note, but their personalities are charming enough, I suppose, that I can overlook that. And there's enough of them that they play off of each other quite well. And it's also one of the few anime I've seen recently that has a good sense of comedy, co uh, comedic timing and all that. Uh, they don't, you know, they don't beat too many jokes to death or rely too heavily on wordplay. It's more situational humor or just, you know, wry uh, humor, mostly at Foss's expense. Yeah, well, I gotta say, though, it is like the the show in general is kind of fun to watch just because watching Foss kind of screw up so hard and so consistently <laughs> that she somehow rolls around to being useful is kind of like the, the, the heart of the show, but it's enjoyable to watch. I'll agree with that. Yeah, there's yeah the one the one weird part the one like really weird part that I haven't figured out yet and perhaps I haven't done the research on it. I know this had a, an OVA episode last year that nobody bothered to translate. But, no, well, I never heard of that. Um, the uh, the only other character in the show is like the uh, or at the beginning of the show is this uh, this Buddhist monk who like oversees where Congo. The live. Yeah, Congo Sensei or the or theoretically Adamantite, right? 
Uh, I'm not sure. Like at, really? at, at some point during the show, they like said, "Hey, that means adamantite." Like that's the translation. So he's just—I huh, don't recall that. But he's just like the hardest sense. mythical rock or whatever. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I, I was, one of the I, girls tries to shake him awake and actually breaks on him. So yeah. <laughs> oh, that was a good one. That was good. That was a good one. Yeah, it just—it um, struck me as a little weird that it—it it seems the uh, there's a little there's a hint of the kind of thing that goes on in like uh, Idol Master or. Um, Oh, blast! What is it? it's called? Boat Girls. Kantai Collection. Yeah, Kantai Collection, where there's like one main character, one main male character, and and you know the slew of female characters that uh, all adore him. The sort of orbit him. Yeah, it's, well, it's a little weird. But, I would agree. Uh, I, I would agree with that. But up until like the one of the most recent episodes, any affection for him has been extremely minimal. Just like you know, he's more of a father figure than anything else, and most of them. You know, just treat him as, you know, he's sensei. He's the master. He's the guy so, in charge, and with good reason. Like, he's just worlds away more powerful than any of they are, but he can't be everywhere at once. Yeah, and he also knows way more than anyone else, so uh, looking forward to seeing what that actually is. But other than him, like, patting them on the head for a job well done, there's really nothing in it that's even vaguely, like, sketchy or creepy. I no, mean, it's, you it's could... good. Yeah, it's just, like, I, I'm, I'm interested to see, like, if they brought it up for any particular reason... Hmm. Or if, if they're if they're like like uh, skewing it in that fashion for any particular reason, right. possibly. Uh, the next up is a a show that I'm not following, but uh, I know you guys are looking into right, uh, right. Girls Last Tour. Uh, the other show that should have been on the roster for uh, following on the the uh, Rolling Review. It's uh, I mean, it turns out to be quite good. Take it away, Brennan. Oh yeah, yeah. It's um. This one I was a little worried. I didn't submit it for uh, for consideration just because I thought it was too grim and and we were following it up, you know, uh, Made in Abyss. Mm, good call. It it turns out not to be quite as grim as I was expecting. Uh, although the 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 situation does seem kind of dire. Yeah. So like for those who don't know, it's sort of like it's a post apocalypse. Almost everyone is dead, and it's these two girls and their little half track sort of making it through this dead city for episode after episode after episode. And that's just kind of going, all there is to it. Just uh, getting to the next uh, abandoned gas station, you know, extracting all the gas they can from it and all the food from wherever they can and moving on to the next zone. And <laughs> presumably yeah, one day they're going to run out of <laughs> places to find stuff. Right. Their thing's going to break down or they're going to run out of food or something. Uh, I mean, they sort of have an objective in mind, but I don't know what happens once they get there. So uh, as far as the show goes, like it starts off a little weak in my opinion, but it rapidly comes into its own. Like I'm now fully invested in the show and I'm really looking forward to where it's going. Uh, Like Brendan was saying, it's kind of upbeat for the kind of terrible post-apocalypse the characters are in. Really? And yeah, the sort of feel of the show is kind of finding the little things to enjoy or be fascinated by or converse with each other with because it's either that or become, you know, be overcome by the bleakness of the world around you. So mm-hmm. it's just the two of these characters kind of making it together because otherwise they off won't. Their inevitable, their inevitable crushing insanity. Yeah, just like ex- yeah, exactly. Like they're not actually worried about that, but only because both of them are there to talk about everything. But they go see some interesting stuff, and they sort of there's some kind of philosophical elements to it when they talk about, hey, what did what do you think these people that lived here did, or what was the purpose of this object, or whatever. Uh, good stuff. Yeah, I'm I'm also really enjoying it. Yeah. Uh, For my money, the rain song in episode five is easily the highlight of the show so far. Like they sort of put out a bunch of tin cans and stuff and then it's raining. 
and it makes music, which kind of becomes its own musical piece. It's a great piece, oh. and the buildup in the episode towards this happening makes it even more worth it. So, like, that's the best part so far for it, me. What do, you, what do you got? It is a beautiful you... thing. Oh, it's quite good. You agree, Ben? Best part? Or you have something other? Um, off the top of my head, yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah. I had kind of given that one a pass because I wasn't really interested in the art style and I was worried that it was going to be just an excuse to have two girls riding around on a German half track that was out of place. But from what you guys have told me outside of this, it actually does make sense because... Their banter reminds me a lot of you and I. It's really? like, you're Cheeto and I'm Yuri, which is fascinating <laughs> to me because it also kind of reminds me of my banter with me and another friend of mine in which I'm Cheeto and he's Yuri. <laughs> <laughs> you're a stick in the mud, Dan. <laughs> I am a <laughs> I am certainly a professional wet blanket so uh, <laughs> alright well I have to knock that one down for uh, possible reconsideration glad you guys are enjoying it That's, um, it's really quite good yeah. surprisingly like but also it can just you know it's really whatever the two of them want to think about so sometimes it's bizarre sometimes it's not like it's just kind of whatever definitely sounds kind of chill mm, it is for the, it's, for the most it's part, slow yeah. moving in most That's cases good. I mean, as a non-violent post-apocalypse would be, I assume. I mean, they're armed. Like, they're always kind of worried. But so far, nothing has... There's been no, like, danger from other people, I guess. Which is nice, because when it does happen, it'll actually have some impact as opposed to, you know... No offense to, like, classics like Fist of the North Star, but when everything is solved with punching people to death, it kind of loses its uh, flair after a while. Right. Good point. Good point. Anyway, taking a uh, hard turn from that one. I mean, uh, is it though? not that hard, but go ahead. Really? I mean, uh, Brendan and I are following a show called uh, Recovery of an MMO Junkie. Oh, okay. Or... Sorry, I thought you went somewhere different. Go for it. Ah, no. there. That one's coming later. Um, but uh, as I said, Recovery of an MMO Junkie or like, what was it, like Advertisement for the Wonderful Online Life or it's something? Re- recommendation another... for the uh, the wonderful... Um shoot <laughs> uh cl- close enough we we got we got the basic gist of it um it's about uh this woman who quit her job to basically spend all of her time playing online mmos and the people that she meets there and the relationship that she forms and it's actually really good it's funny it's kind of charming i mean it's not going to knock anyone's uh knock anyone's socks off as far as like overall quality goes and it's fairly predictable but i find it a really good kind of what what's the best way to describe it it's a good relaxing show to come home to come home from work to just like Hmm. i'm gonna like i'm gonna pop in an episode of this and not feel like i have to worry too much (laughs) about the stakes god i wish i could quit my job and play video games all day says dan to himself my job Ooh. is video games, but it yeah, it gets a little it gets a little rough after a while. Okay. So Brendan, you were the one who I think first poked around at this one? Yeah, this is uh Yeah, I poked around at a lot of stuff at the beginning of the season. Um Yeah, I don't know. It uh it seemed like uh it's a show with adult protagonists, first of all. Like people Whoa, age so rare. At this point. <laughs> Main character is like 30. I think one of the other ones, like the youngest one is 28. So it's kind of cool. Uh, hmm. The youngest you one seem... that we know the age of. Well, Do you yeah. feel like the show is sort of taking inspiration from uh, like Dragon Maid and being like, huh, that kind of worked with older people that have jobs and so on. Oh. Like we should we should do more of that. Um, That's hard to say. Like, I mean... Every once in a while, you see a show about adults. Like there, there've been 
a few over the years. Uh, it's, uh, I, don't know. I just think it's this one's turn. I'm not sure. Mm, okay. Why exactly? I mean, yeah, it's, that's true. It's just, uh, it's nice to see characters who have other, you know, other things going on in their lives besides just the game. This isn't like dot hack or, um, Oh, so they're like sort out online. online or... They're not trapped, yeah. basically. No, they're not. No one's they're absolutely not trapped. This is very much about the the blur between uh, real life and and in the game world. Hmm. Exactly, and you know, you see, they split their time almost evenly. I would say in most episodes, you know, somewhere weighted more one way or the other. But it's a roughly fifty fifty split overall between their characters interacting in the world and them either sitting in front of their computers or going around. You know, just going about their lives. And it's nice to see that because rather than using this in his excuse to have, you know, yet another bunch of protagonists who are just way better at everything else in this game than everyone else. And, you know, some ridiculous backstory about the real world. No, it's none of that. It's all about, you know, where these people find that balance, why each of them plays. Some do it for friendship. Some do it for, you know, the fat loots. Some do it for, uh, you know, just because they like the they like something that distracts them from their incredibly boring jobs, and how they all get along, and how you know they solve they solve problems and have arguments and give give each other advice when it comes to real life, and how that bleeds out into the real world. And like I said, it's not exactly going to surprise you any of the twists and turns it makes, but it's all done with such I don't know. There's a like I said, there's a charm to it. There's a there's a sense of self. There's a sense of self-satisfaction in it that just feels like everyone working on it is really enjoying themselves making it, I guess. Well, that's nice. Also, I don't know if this is significant or not, but I'm fairly certain this show is not actually being broadcast in Japan, which is the you know, the most common like anime thing. This is this is technically a uh a, is a web series? It, yeah, a web series. Interesting. Oh, weird, I didn't know that. So right. I don't know well, if anybody's really throwing money at the uh, at the vestige or the the legacy of um, a Dragon Maid as far as adult women doing stuff. Okay. Hmm. Huh. Well, I suppose we can look into it more. Um, all right, taking another bit of a turn back to a very very different genre. Uh, the next show we're t- we've uh, all been following is Ancient Magus's Bride. Now this was kind of I guess what everyone expected to be the standout show of the season, and. I'll be perfectly honest myself, I don't hate it, but I'm not exactly enthralled. I like the world that they've created, but none of the characters are particularly appealing to me. Uh, For a little bit of background, a girl is purchased by a wizard in England somewhere and is basically supposed to become his apprentice slash bride and all of the adventures that they take uh, trying to figure out the secrets of her magical power and all the shenanigans going on in the magical world, et cetera, et cetera. Um, he's almost so, like a, he's like a almost like a roving troubleshooter for various magical problems. Something like that, yeah. And like again, the visual style. I mean, it's Studio Wit, so they they do good uh, they do good work. Their stuff always looks consistently it is good. Gorgeous to look at. Like some of these scenes are really really good. Like on par with last season's Maiden Abyss in in some ways. Like different style, mm. obviously. Uh, like the last episode in particular, they were in like the woods or something. When uh, I don't know, one of the Tirnanog shows up, and it was just as, it was a beautiful scene. Very well done. Or the time they go to Iceland and meet the dragons. Awesome looking. Yeah, definitely some you know some great backgrounds. The character art is really good for the most part, and like I said, the magical like uh, the magical world and the magical 
interactions between like sorcerers and mages and dragons and all these other things. Uh, the Fae are a thing, and they clearly have done a good deal of research. They're not like they're not cheating and just using names and then making them be whatever they want. Like they did at least a little bit of Wikipedia on you know <laughs> who the you know who are the most powerful fairies. What are these uh, different sects of magic about? And I like that. I like that they've structured it in a way that feels grounded and feels real. But on the other hand, for me at least, the characters just don't appeal to me. Uh, Chise, the main character, she's just there to suffer and eventually either like end up in this magical, wonderful relationship with a man whose uh, face is a horse skull or something. And he is a sociopath. Like It's pretty much been revealed up until this point that he does not understand how human beings work. He's also, yeah, he isn't a human. He's some kind of like half fey, half something else. like Changeling or something. Yeah, he's they he's got... between, like, which is, it's good because he had this creepiness factor and now there's like a halfway decent explanation for why. And it's also sort of tapering off, which is nice. That uh... is true. But again, everyone points out that what you're doing is wrong. You taking this girl in as an apprentice... Fine, but this whole bride thing, like, the first time that someone outside of his immediate, like, surroundings hears about this, she decks him. She punches him right in the stomach, and I was like, okay, you I like, because you're <laughs> the only one who's recognizing just how off this whole thing is. Right. Let's see, what else is there to say about it? Uh, like, yeah, I mean, I mean, I am enjoying it. It is not quite what I was expecting. Like, I was expecting it to be more slice of life, especially sort of based on the OVA. I was like, oh, the OVA sets up why, you know, where she came from. Now we're going to sort of hear about her day-to-day life in the village. That like He lives in a town in England somewhere. But instead, it's all been sort of roving troubleshooting, uh, despite the fact that, again, he owns a house and servants all these other people they could be doing stuff with. Uh, so I was a little surprised there, but it's not not bad. Like, it's got my interest. Well, the OVA was bundled with the manga so as a, you know, just a prequel oh, okay. to mostly four people who knew what was, you know, what was going on there already. Yeah, I greatly enjoyed the OVA. It was quite good. Yeah, which is why I personally was kind of like, you know, put off by it. Again, part of this comes down to this is, you know, not uh, this is not objective at all. I have a bit of a gripe with Studio Wit, who they're the ones who put out um, uh, Attack on Titan and more recently the very disappointing Cabinary of the Iron Fortress. And I will never uh, I will never forget just how badly advertised uh, Empire of Corpses was. Made me think it was going to be something completely different than it was. And part of that is my fault for not looking into it more ahead of time. But honestly, like, these guys do fantastic action scenes, really good visuals, tend to have, like, a really, really interesting world building, mm. which at the end of the day all ends up being the same thing. It's an excuse for characters that we're supposed to like suffering. And... To its credit, this show has, you know, got a lot more going on than that. That's why I'm Yeah, it does not it. feel like any of the shows mentioned. It's like, if anyone's wondering if this is going to be Attack on Titan 2, it is not. Right. No, that absolutely having been not. said, they have fit a little bit of Marcus tragedy in there, as you... Uh... Oh, yeah. There is some Marcus tragedy, there. but it's not like high action, like fighting people. There's very little conflict, like direct conflict. That's that is true. true. Uh, what else is there? I like the sound direction. Like, the music itself, like, the background music hasn't been that amazing, although I do like the opening theme, but the sound direction in general has been quite good. So I like that as well. That is true. And, uh, like I say, the visual effects, like, uh, all of... I don't know about all of, but the majority of um, Elias, the mage's uh, magic, has to do with shadow and thorns. Like, his, he is called Thorn by the fairies, and he's, you know, 
he can like appear out of people's shadows or you know summon this massive brambles as like a shield to protect him and other people it's it's really neat it's non-traditional and it's nice to see it's nice to see magic that relies on nature or spirits or other you know crazy weirdness rather than just people shooting energy blasts at each other like you end up with in all of these uh fantasy shows that are very clearly like inspired by MMOs and whatnot. This this feels magical. It feels like something that came from, you know, something that came from the earth, from some kind of primordial plane or whatever. So Yeah, and like the the English slash Celtic slash Icelandic mythology they're sort of using doesn't hurt either. Exactly, yeah. Like I said, good gra- good grounding for their uh fantasy nonsense mm. uh overall. Yeah, quite good. Alright, recommended. What's next? Uh, well, Scott, I hate to do this to you, but, uh, you're the only one of us who had the strength to keep following this, and since Sue isn't here to suffer along with you, at least not for now, why don't you tell us about Classicaloid? Ah, uh, Season 2. This is a whole new season, not like a continuation, or like a, another half, basically. Is the pits, you guys. It is actually worse than season one which is a pretty bold statement because season one is garbage i am incredulous like somehow there is even less air quotes plot holding things together than there was the last time which like there wasn't a whole lot it was pretty much people mess around music happens bach might show up here or there and then finally at the end there was a little bit there's even less than that there's also a lot like a lot less actual music happening in a show about having history's greatest composers hang out in a house together. Like it's, huh. it's pretty much just all of them messing around in the house all day, every day, but they don't like very little of it is using music or music. Like they're like fancy magical powers version. It's so that element's basically gone. And the, the result it's just intolerable. <laughs> Uh, is there more Mozart per capita than before? There is actually, thankfully, less Mozart per capita because we've introduced two new characters, uh, Wagner and Dvorak. Wagner being this sort of whiny, irritating child, and Dvorak being a pygmy hippopotamus. Um. um. Yeah. Uh, oh. Who, like, it's somehow like the spirit of history's great composer in the body of a pygmy hippopotamus. So he's, like, fighting his urges to eat grass and lie around in the water all day. But he can also summon a magical train and take them on interspatial adventures. If he gets, like, his dander up, I guess. Can he speak? No. Uh, he can speak during the use of music, like, music by certain people, but otherwise he can't speak. And he, he has an internal monologue that you can listen to, I guess. But Oh my goodness. Is his internal monologue, Jesus Christ, why am I trapped in the body of a hippo? Uh, there was an entire episode to that effect, which was basically him fighting his animal instinct. Uh, I see. And then, like, the sort of the plot, uh, such as it is, focuses around Wagner trying to mess everything up for poorly defined reasons. <sighs> Unclear. Uh. Unless uh. he is trying to initiate Nibelung in the Ragnarok, then I don't think that he's doing anything more than wasting all of our time. Oh, he's wasting all of his time. <laughs> like, his whole thing is, I'm a botched experiment, but I don't, like, but you can, no one can call me that. I'm very uh, touchy about it and angry, and I want to get revenge on someone. Like, hmm. unclear even who, but he just kind of messes everything up for everyone. So it's, is, it's Is terrible. Bach at least... Is Bach, Bach has Bach appeared for okay? the first time in episode six. Jeez. So there's been way less Bach, which is bad, because Bach's the best part of the show. And he, indeed, he's the best part of this show. He just has way less time in it, I guess. So don't watch ah. the show. It's still, it's, it's still the worst. 
All right, well, I appreciate you continuing to fall on that sword for the rest of us. So that about wraps up what we're, uh, what we're all following. I think you're missing an important show, Dan. I think you're missing Kino's Journey. Oh, yeah. That's what we tried to... That was the... Yeah, we were gonna we were gonna lead into it from Girls Last Tour because it was similar in style, kind of. But uh, uh, yes, I am sorry, I uh, messed it, up the order on that one. I'm the only one doing it, so uh, so there's a, yeah, there's a new Kino's Journey. For those who don't know, there was an, an older Kino's Journey. The idea here is Kino, a person and his or her talking motorbike, uh, kind of go across the land and go to these different cities, each of which is sort of an example of a society that has taken some element to its extreme. And then they sort of play out what that would look like and have Kino interact with it for a couple of days before moving on. So by definition, it's sort of vignettes, like there's very little overarching anything. And so what do I think about it? I, it's not as good as the original. Uh, and part of this is like visual, like the original was sort of drawn in sort of a nice style. This uses CG to poor effect and just in general doesn't seem to be as, as, as well done. Uh, but I think the biggest hit is, uh, so I mentioned the original taking these societies to extreme, and it was interesting because a lot of times these societies had some seemingly intractable, intractable problem deeply rooted in the way the society was structured, and that made it interesting to explore it. In the new show, though, the problems in these societies seem to have really easy technical solutions, so it's way harder to get drawn in by the philosophical ideas. Uh, huh. So, like, to give a couple examples, there's this floating like floating on water machine city that is slowly sinking due to lack of maintenance it's run by a group of ais that wants to keep the people on it alive but they can't really figure out what to do so they have this sort of weird system of governance where travelers get to do what they want Uh, but the people don't want to leave the thing because it's all they've ever known so the thing is just going to sink one day and take them all with it Uh, and they sort of have to like and kino and some other guys sort of deal with that that day Uh, now here's a solution like obviously maybe just try hiring a guy that can fix it what was that so hard? Like it's <laughs> a machine look for someone, right? Like they, they just don't try at all to fix it. They're just going to let it fall apart because they don't want to land the thing and take everyone off because they won't leave. Well, maybe just fix it while it's underway. The thing's huge. Like it's, it's sort of hard to buy. Or at the very least, like, could you not beach this somewhere? Like they, go to someplace they, shallow? They, they tried to beach it. Oh, really shallow. I see what you mean. Uh, they, they like them. The people on board get scared if they don't feel the machinery noises ah. of it in motion. So Good like that's grief. the reason why they won't leave. It's just it's kind of dumb. Like it isn't as interesting. Uh, or there's this other city, like a city on treads that can't stop moving because its reactor will overheat and explode. So it always has to be moving, which means it's like just destroying all the things it runs through and ramming through countries and stuff. Uh, they don't they don't want to damage anything, and they always warn people, but they're also like will not be dissuaded from going their way because they they can't do anything else. But then it turns out they have this massive laser cannon that they can use if there's like a wall or something in the way that they can't go around. So maybe you guys could just turn the laser on and point it upwards for a while and then stop the city long enough to, I don't know, build a large resistor or something. (laughs) And then boom, you don't need to run around and squash things anymore. Uh, There's this whole thing. Oh, the people inside like seeing all the new scenery, but they all live inside this heavy, heavily fortified outer shell. And so they just watch it on TV screens that are built into the walls. So Here's my technical solution. Just buy a nice screensaver package. All right, boom, problem solved. So it's all this stuff like that. Oh, our country of liars. Everyone lies in this country, which could be interesting, but it was really just like everyone lies to this one guy uh, who, whatever, was instrumental in the revolution but had to kill the royal family, but his lover turned out to be one of the princesses, blah, 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 blah. Well, guess what? She's in the country being his caretaker, 
but he doesn't because she she was able to get out but he doesn't know it and she won't tell him and none of the people will tell either one of them they also don't know about the princess so it's this whole thing oh everyone's lying and how tragic but then like at the end of the episode the guy runs out he's like kino i just want you to know that i know everything and i prefer it this way it's like, really? You do? You act like a crazy person all day, and you can't tell the one person you love that you know who she is. Maybe if everyone just talked with each other for five minutes, you'd fix this. Like, it's so dumb. Yeah. Because in all of the, in the original series, which I enjoyed, I don't, I would never put it in my top ten or anything, but it was a nice, uh, it was a, it was a nice, uh, foray into a very different kind of quasi-post-apocalypse sort of thing. It, every, every nation like you said, take something to such an ex- to an extreme, uh, be it um, you know self reliance or uh, pure logic or hard work or any number of things. Yeah, like rule by the also... majority, where the minority is executed. Exactly. Or uh, it was like, but in general, it's like every one of these. It's 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 exploring the flaws in pure systems and also the the cultural insanity required to do this kind of thing like i think there was one nation that built this huge tower every couple of years only to have it crash over that was the whole point right and it was like why it's like the whole society is structured towards it right and it's just like it's not it's again it's like we want to make it clear these people are nuts there's something inherently messed up about their system not these people are too lazy to think of a solution right in this case it's often they're too lazy to think of a solution uh, also, there's a, in the original show, there was a pretty good pair of episodes about like a Colosseum fight uh, that Kino ended up in, uh, which was it was quite good, had a lot of interesting combatants, an interesting overarching story they were doing. This show opts to just basically redo those two episodes, you know, basically like piece for piece, like it's the same exact plot, except that they cram the whole thing into one episode. And as a result, there's like basically no time to develop any of the characters Kino's fighting against, or even sort of the larger mystery of the country's society. Just they just shove the whole thing through in an episode. And they're like, "All right, we're out." Like, well, there's a reason it took two episodes the first time. So generally, what you're saying is a subpar sequel to a show that we had otherwise enjoyed. Well, sequel, yeah, is a it just word. feels okay. cheaper and less thought out than the first show. I guess, like it's. I'm I'm still watching it because some of it is interesting, but so much of it just isn't like the first one was. Yeah. But also, they seem shit. they seem to now be over reliant on poor like like non kino characters like these poor sad girls in snow type scenarios where their life is just the absolute worst forever and don't you feel terrible for them? But it's not really telling you anything about the society they live in. It's just like they want you to. I don't know, feel empathy for these characters. And it's like, well, that's not the point of the show. So that, the, that part's the empathy also should come from the situation, not from just you tugging at our heartstrings deliberately. Right. Like, they're, again, they're all one shot characters the Kino meets once. So I don't know what the purpose is of that. Yeah. Well, that's a downer. But uh, overall, I would, I would say this is one of the stronger seasons that we have followed. I mean, Altair, Land of the Lustrous, Girls Last Tour. Um, not just that, but like broad in scope. Like there's a oh, lot yeah. of different stuff here. We got some historical. We got some. We got some action. We got some quieter stuff. Like overall, it's a pretty well-rounded season. Other than uh, Classicaloid and Kino's Journey. Sorry, hey, Scott, that just you... that just means there's garbage to round out the good stuff. <laughs> True enough. Got to have some balance. Got to have balance. 
But yeah, I'm, I'm like following more shows this season than I have in a long time. Ditto. Hmm. Yeah, usually I cap out around three. And now in addition to uh, our regular rolling review, it's pretty. Uh, it's a pretty broad set. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we can recommend pretty much all of those shows, uh, with the exception of Cl- of uh, Classicaloid and Kino's Journey. Yeah, go into Kino's Journey just like being wary. Maybe you will like it. Like, it's, there, it, it is some interesting stuff, and it looks pretty decent. But eh. or pick up the original if you're uh, feel if you're feeling like digging back into the archives a little. Hey. Yeah, there you go. Pick up the original. That's the good recommendation. All right. Cool. Well, I think that about covers it for now. Hopefully, we'll be back at the end of the season for a final roundup of. Uh, these shows and what we think of how they uh, finish themselves off. So we'll look forward to that and hope you guys enjoy the rest of the season yourselves. Yeah. Have a good one. This is a podcast by the con artists. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to us on iTunes or your Android podcast app of choice for more anime and game related content. Please visit us online at the Thanks for listening.